These four truths are the most important truths in the whole world. And I'm going to capture each one of them with a symbol. What we have is these symbols up here. We have a heart, a divided by sign, a cross, and a question mark. And I want to propose to you that those four symbols communicate the four most important truths in the whole world. Now, the first symbol, a heart, is love. It's God's love. And it's really important that we understand the most important truth in the whole world is that God loves you. Now, we know, many of us know John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And, and we realize that the greatest lover of all gave the greatest gift of all to communicate the greatest love of all by the giving of his son, Jesus. But sometimes I think we have a t difficult time getting our, you know, our arms wrapped around that. So I want to give you another verse. And this is out of Psalm 139, verse 17 and 18. Go ahead and look at this verse. It says, how precious are your thoughts to me or toward me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. And get a load of this. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. Now, I just want you to think about that for a moment. Ron, come up here a second, would you? I got, I got a uh, you know, jar of sand here. John, put out, Ron, put out a hand. Okay, I want to pour some sand in your hand. All right. There you go. Go ahead and count that. You think about a million? Okay, let's pour it back in there. We try not to make a mess here. Okay, so I want you to think about God's thoughts towards you, just a moment. Sometimes we think about, you know, if you're in love, you're thinking, and you say to the one you love, I thought about you all day. And honestly, we'd say, well, I thought about you here, but then I got busy at work, and then I thought about you again, and then someone cut me off in traffic, and and got me mad, and then I thought about you again, and so I really thought about you 12 times. <laughs> or I thought about you 20 times, or I thought about you 50 times. But I want you to think about how many thoughts God has towards you. This is written by King David, who spent a lot of time in the desert, times where he, far as he could see in every direction was sand. And he says, Thoughts, God's thoughts towards you outnumber, outnumber the sand. He's thinking about you right now. And when he thinks about you, a smile comes across his face. Why? Because he loves you. I mean, he really, really loves you. This is the most important truth in the world. God loves you. All right, the second most important truth in the world is captured by this divided by symbol. Because really, I want you just to get, have this picture, if you would, because God loves us, but not everybody is experiencing that love. I want you just to think of it this way. Okay, so Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden, perfect relationship with God. I mean, there is a perfect connection. 
But what happens? What happens is Adam and Eve sin. And there's a break. There's a divided by. There's a division. And they're not experiencing the love of God anymore. They're kicked out of the garden. They're not experiencing fellowship with God anymore. There has been a great divide. In fact, I think this divided by symbol is so helpful because you can have the picture of God, a holy God, and then man, now sinful man, divided. There's a separation between God and man. Why? Because of sin. A holy God cannot have fellowship with a sinful man. There is this great divide separating us you know, from God in our sinful state. And by the way, this also answers the question, why is the world in such a mess? People say, I've had so many conversations over the years, or some might say, if God exists, then why is all this evil happening? Why is there suffering? Well, because God made free creatures, that's why. Free creatures. Why did he do that? He could have made robots. He made free creatures because he is a God of love, and he wants us to experience his love. But in order for us to experience his love, we've got to be free to love him. And if we're free to love him, we've got to be free to not love him. And that is called sin. And when sin came in, it messed up the whole world. That's why the world is such a mess. But God doesn't leave it that way. See, the God of love still wants a relationship with us, even though we're divided, separated. He wants it. So what's he going to do? What's a holy God going to do? Well, he's not just a holy God. He's a God of love. So what does he do? He sends his only son, Jesus. This is the cross. It captures what Jesus came to do. The son of God became a human, an historical person of Jesus of Nazareth. He lives a sinless life. He shows us what the Father's like. He goes to the cross. When he goes to the cross, something happens here. All of your sins, the sins you've done your whole life, and the sins you've not yet done, all of them are placed on Christ when he hangs on that cross. And then he absorbs the judgment due those sins. What is that judgment? Well, the wages of sin is death, Romans chapter 6, verse 23. That's the wages, death. We deserve death. Why? Because God is holy and just. He must punish sin. But he loves us. He doesn't want to punish us. His son, Jesus, comes and absorbs our punishment and judgment. He stands in between, absorbs the wrath of God for us. This is amazing. I was by the bedside of both of my parents when they died. They died six years apart. They both died of cancer. I was there for each of their last breath. And I've been beside bedsides of people dying of cancer way too many times. But there are, you know, there's times I just think, you know, if I could just reach in there and pull all that cancer out and absorb it, what would happen to them? They'd live. What would happen to me? I'd die. That's what Jesus does on that cross. He takes that which is separating us, dividing us, killing us. He takes it on himself, absorbs it, and he dies so we can live. There's one more important truth that we must know if we're going to know the four most important truths in the world, and that's captured by 
a question mark. Because really, we need to understand that we each have a choice. We have to choose. This, you know, this doesn't happen automatically. Because Christ died for your sins, doesn't happen automatically that you are forgiven. You have to choose whether or not you want to receive this gift of forgiveness. You want to receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord. You have a choice to make. Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone hears my voice? I'll come in to him. We'll dine with him, fellowship with him. So Jesus makes this offer. He offers to come into your life. Be your Savior and be your Lord, but you have to say yes. You have to say yes to repentance and faith in him. Savior and Lord. You have to say yes. You have to ask him. You have to ask him, would you be my Savior and Lord? Now, this is where a lot of people miss it. I want to make sure we're clear on this. So I got one more illustration that I want you to see. Now, some of you have seen this illustration before because I think it's really helpful to get this visual. And so I've used this tandem bike to illustrate it. Now, the tandem bike is really simple, is that a lot of people invite Jesus into their life this way. Let me show you, because it happens in America all the time. And this misunderstanding is going to send a lot of people to hell. So we want to make sure we understand something here. That is that a lot of people in America say, yes, Jesus, I want you to come into my life and I have a seat for you right here. So I want you in because I want forgiveness. I want you in because I want my ticket to heaven. But don't worry, Jesus, I've got this. I know where I'm going. I know what I want to do. I'm the captain of my ship. I'm in charge. But every once in a while, I might need you to pedal. I need your help but I'm in charge. Now, I want you here because I want to go to heaven when, I'm, when I die, but right now I've got my life to live and I'm living it for me, but when I finally go, I need to make sure i got my ticket to heaven. And every once in a while, I need you to be kind of my cosmic bellhop when I need something to help me. And we need to understand that when we say, when we're inviting Jesus into our lives. We're inviting into our lives lives the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's not just Savior. He's Lord. You don't make him Lord. He's already Lord. So a lot of churchgoers in America, they want to cut him in half. I want the Savior part, but I don't want the Lord part. Well, you can't cut him in half. He's the most Savior and Lord. And if you say, I want to be in the kingdom of God, but I don't want him to be my king, what you're saying is you don't understand the whole definition of kingdom of God. See, the definition of the kingdom of God is everything under the rule of God. So if I'm in his kingdom, he's got to be my king. So if I invite him in to my life, there's only one seat that he really can occupy, and this is one right here. 
We're saying, Lord, I want you to come to my life as my Savior and Lord, so you, you direct my life now. You lead my life. I lay it down. You have your way. See, the reason a lot of Christians are frustrated and apathetic and defeated is because they're in this seat right here. Instead of this is the only seat back here that works. Only way to live the victorious life in a Christian life is for Jesus to be on the throne of your life in the front seat of this tandem bike. So some of you, in all honesty, have never done that. Some of you have never asked Jesus to be Savior Lord before today. Today, you want to ask him. Some of you, in honesty, honestly said, I want him, I just wanted my ticket to heaven. I mean, I want him to help me once in a while, but I don't want him to leave my life. And I want you to know that's not how it works. To ask him into your life is to ask him in to be who he is. He is Lord. Well, some of you today are going to make the decision that you can re- repent from being in the wrong seat and saying, Lord, I-, I just surrender. I want you to lead my life, have your way. Now, for some of you, this is, you know, you're going to make a decision today, but I want you to understand something. How do you say yes to Jesus as Savior and Lord? How do you say yes to Jesus as Savior and Lord? Now, there's been all kinds of approaches to this. There's been tracks to say, okay, you want to say yes to Jesus as Savior and Lord? Here's a, a prayer to pray. Nothing, nothing's wrong with that. That's, that's good. You're expressing your heart. And some say, you want to say yes to Jesus, then every head bowed, every eye closed. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Or you want to say yes to Jesus, everyone stand up. Or you want to say yes to Jesus, walk the aisle. Shake the pastor's hand. We're looking at all kinds of ways. We're trying to help people say yes to Jesus. We ought to go back to the book of Acts where we see how they said yes to Jesus. How did they do it? They got baptized. Does baptism save you? No, no. Jesus saves you. But how do you say yes to Jesus? Baptism. You know, you can't find any, any Christian in the book of Acts. You can't find any unbaptized Christians in the book of Acts. You can't. You can't find them. Because that's what they did. That was how you said yes to Jesus. When Peter's preaching in Acts chapter 2, he's preaching, and they come running to him because they've heard the gospel, and they say to him, what should we do? What are they saying? How do we say yes? What does he say? Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus. That's how you say yes. And some of you haven't done that. You need to be baptized. You need to call us, you know, you realize who you are. Maybe today you're making a decision where you're really saying yes to Jesus and Savior and Lord. Or maybe you're just saying, I'm finally getting out of the front seat. I'm getting back seat. Let Jesus lead my life. And you need to call the church office and say, Get, sign me up for the next baptism service. And we're going to have one here probably in a couple of weeks. Where you can just say yes to Jesus. See, I think a lot of people who say yes to Jesus when they just check the card and they hide it and fold it, pass it in, thinking, I think I got my ticket now. Leave my life. I think that's kind of like the difference between that and being baptized is like the guy who goes to the, to the car dealership and just kicks the tire and the guy that really wants to seriously buy the car. 
See, I think we got a lot of tire kickers in churches in America. They say yes, yes to Jesus, but they don't really mean they want him to lead their life. They don't want that. They're just kicking the tire. A baptism, I think, is where you're saying, I'm a serious buyer. I'm in. I'm in. I'm all in. Because then when you're baptized, you go underwater, and there's the old life, dead and buried. Come up out of the water, rise to newness of life to follow Jesus. So there's some of you, and I suspect there's, there's several of you in this room that know it's time. It's time. Call the church office. Let's do it. Let's make it right. You'd be so glad you did. I've never, ever had anyone get baptized and then say to me, boy, I wish I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> so you'll be so glad you did it. So this is the four most important truths in all the world. Captured by four simple symbols that I hope you can remember and share with other people. Now, once you are part of the body of Christ, the church, because you said yes to Jesus, the Savior and Lord, then there are the six most important activities of the church. Now, when you came in, you got a card, a little card like this. If you didn't, we want to get you one right now. So grab some of those. We're going to have some folks walk around with these because these are the six most important activities of the church. So just kind of got a couple guys walking down the aisle, James and John, just let them know you need a card. Now, how do we know that this is the six most important activities of the church? How do we know that, that this is the case? We know it because the first two, Jesus teaches something called the great commandments. Jesus is asked a great question. What is the most important commandment? And Jesus answers, number one, love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your might. Number two, love your neighbor as yourself. So we know that that's number one and number two most important activities of believers, that that needs to be two most important activities of the church. So we're going to call loving God worship. We're going to call loving our neighbor ministry. So we got the first two tasks or activities the church ought to be doing, most important. Now, how do we get the next three? We get the next three because Jesus gives this thing we call the Great Commission. It's the commandment before he ascends into heaven. It says, go therefore and make disciples. We're going to call that evangelism. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Since we're baptizing into the fellowship. We'll call that fellowship. Teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. We're going to call that discipleship. So out of that Great Commission, we get three more Top activities the church ought to do. So now we've got five. We've got worship, ministry, evangelism, fellowship, discipleship. Now we get one more for six. And that is Jesus tells his disciples, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you. He, he brings it up a notch, a serious notch. So we now know another important thing we ought to be about as a church, and that is loving each other. You know, when we first started Grace Community Church, and Tracy and I really, was, we had a desire to see two things happen. We wanted to see, number one, if we could get God to come to our meetings. Because if God isn't coming, why should anybody come? And number two, let's see if we can learn how to love each other. Because if we can't get they're working right in here. Why should anybody out there want to be part of this? So there's a sixth most important thing for the activity for the church is 
loving one another. So starting this week, next Sunday, we're kicking off our fall series. We're going to take a good look at these six things, and we're going to, we want everybody to be in a small group. So you'll hear a sermon on Sunday, you're in your small group, and then you're going to interact with others about how can we make this real in our lives. So if you're not in a small group yet, for these six weeks, then this is the week to get in one. And by the way, you can still host a small group, one of these six-week small groups. You can host it. It's easy to host. You can go across the parking lot. Jonathan in the Life Center will tell you. How, he'll give you everything you need. It's so simple. You can invite some friends over for six weeks. Now, some of you are thinking, well, you know what? I'm not, I'm not kind of a small group person, and I don't, I'm not into that. And I was like, do it for six weeks. You know, I used to work offshore in the old rig, and we used to say, you know, you, they had one expression about being out there for too long. They'd say, oh, you can fight a bear for six weeks. You can do a lot of things in a short period of time, six weeks, and see, you know, how that, how that really works for you. So we're asking everybody as part of Grace Community Church is find a group to be in. You can call the church office. We'll help you. Jonathan, wave your hand, Jonathan. Look back and see Jonathan here. He'll, he'll help you get connected and be in one of these small groups. So we're kicking off this week. It's going to be awesome. You don't want to miss it. Now, what's going to happen is we're going to see, really, the church is going to have like a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit is going to blow through because we're doing things that matter to God. We're prioritizing things. And also, I just want you to know these things because I want you to know what we're about as a church. In the days to come, if you think, someone ever asks you, what is Grace Community Church about? So we're about these six things, the six most important things that Jesus said. We're about that. We're about a lot of other things, but this is the main things. That's why we call it first things first. This is the main things. We want to keep the main things, the main things here at Grace. And we're so glad you're here. I mean, you're not here by accident. God has providentially guided you to be part of this at this time. So really plug in. You'll be blessed. You'll be strengthened, and you'll help strengthen other people. All right, so you in? Amen. Amen. All right, let's stand for prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for making it so clear what matters most. We pray, Lord, that as we try to really keep things, first things first, we ask, would you fill you know, everybody by your spirit, lead us by your spirit, and let the word of God be planted in our hearts and lives and make us more like you. And Lord, I just pray you'd work in schedules, you'd help clear things up, you'd help priorities, and so we could all really focus on growing during this time. We look forward to what you're going to do. We pray this in Jesus' name.